0: All right, so Hebrews 11, verse number eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive uh, for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs, with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore spring there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Speaking this morning on the subject of the faith of a pilgrim, have you ever thought about what a strange word the word pilgrim is? If you uh, get into etymology, I looked it up. I love the online etymological dictionary. It's not exactly the Oxford, but it's it's a good one. And uh, Anyway, it says that that word came to us through the French word pelerin, Or the Latin pelegrinus. So, just for you word geeks out there, that's where it came from. And Jake, evidently the word peregrine comes from that too. It's the same derivative. So, anyway, okay. All right, so if you're a fan of westerns, you immediately hear Pilgrim and you think of John Wayne. Even though the only movie I recall, and I think I've seen most of them at one time or the other, I recall him saying that is, as the man who shot Liberty Valance and uh, calling Jimmy Stewart uh, a pilgrim there. But uh, anyway, it's kind of become iconic through that. If you were taught the real history of America, and by the way, be thankful you were because they're changing some of this stuff. But if you were taught the real history of America, you would think of the people that came over on the Mayflower. I found out a while back in... uh, Pam's not in here. She's giving me a hard time. The same website says that uh, <clears throat> William Shakespeare is my 11th great uncle. So, uh, but according to this uh, website, I think it's FamilySearch.org. It's a genealogy website. It's free. And uh, but according to it, uh, found out that I, I I may have, if it's accurate, I may be descended from a couple of people on the Mayflower. And I thought, hey, this, this is pretty neat. And I found out for about 300 bucks I can join the Mayflower Society. I found that out yesterday. But anyway, there's a couple of people, but the main one that popped up was a guy named Stephen Hopkins. He's one of the guys who signed the Mayflower Compact. Uh, when, they, when they landed there, they realized they weren't in the right place, so they the, the chartered the first government there. Um, the problem is he evidently was not one of the pilgrim pilgrims. He evidently ran the tavern in town. And got in trouble for selling alcohol on the Sabbath a couple of times. Uh, I like I said, of course, that's the one I'm related to, right? It's not that one. Uh, but all drugs, he really was a very important guy. He was like the only guy who really had New World experience. And he's a really interesting guy. I was reading up on him a little bit. But um, You know, I was thinking about, though, it says a lot about our nation's heritage, our culture, that we've rallied around the pilgrims, as we call them, as our forefathers. We ignore the Vikings who uh, supposedly came here sooner than that, landed up in Canada. We usually don't talk about them. We we'll want to get down some weird history. Go back and uh, they, there's theories about the Romans actually being in the New World. I've seen some conspiracy stuff about, but um, but we don't talk about the Vikings. We we usually don't even on Texas. We talk about the Spanish, the missions, and things like that. But the conquistadors and the explorers and things. We we really don't embrace them as our heritage. Uh, Even some of the English, we don't really embrace Jamestown to an extent. Uh, We acknowledge it or um, uh, some of the other early settlements that the English had. But we've really rallied around the the guys up there at, at Plymouth. Why is that? And I think it's because the virtues and ideals of those pilgrims resonate with our values, with our traditional American values, they didn't come to just to visit or to explore. They came to set up homes. They came to they came to stay. They did not come for gold or wealth, as, as so many of them did. Jamestown was kind of founded that way. A lot of the uh, conquistadors, the Spanish, uh, they were all about finding the golden cities and things like that. Uh, but the, but they didn't come for wealth. They just they came to have a life. Uh, uh, they, they did not, by the way, they did not enslave the natives they encountered. Columbus and some of those other people did some of that. They actually had very good relations with the Indian tribes that were friendly. I mean, there were some hostile ones and stuff, but they actually had really good relations uh, with them. They didn't run away from the hardships that they faced. They 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 stuck to it in the midst of uh, tremendous loss, in the midst of tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, troubles that they faced. And I forget now how many of us died just in that first winter of uh, 1620, 1621. Uh, if anybody had a reason to turn back and call it quits, they did, but they stuck it out and, and founded their, their new settlement. Technically, not all of the Mayflower passengers were pilgrims. That name is for a group of Christians, a specific group, congregation of Christians that was on that ship. And they, Why did they come here? They came seeking religious freedom. Oftentimes you'll hear him described as Puritans. Uh, Brother Stewart was talking about this in chapel last week at the school, and he made a really good point. Uh, there's a difference. A Puritan, technically, is someone who wanted to reform the Church of England, the Anglican Church. They wanted to stay inside the Church of England and fix the problems that they saw in it uh, as part of like the Protestant Reformation and things that were going on. These guys are separatists. They said, uh, we, we don't want to fix the Church of England, we want to just do our own thing. Uh, strictly speaking, you call them Congregationalists, but in the English world, the uh, historians, we, we we call them Separatists. They wanted to separate from the Church of England. They traced their lineage back to some Separatist groups uh, in Nottinghamshire, England, uh, and some of these fled to Holland, to uh, I think it's Leiden, I think I say that, Holland, uh, to because they were persecuted. You had the laws where you had to be a member of the Church of England, and these guys said, "No, according to our conscience, according to the scriptures we read and study, we shouldn't have to be that. We ought to be able to worship uh, God as we please." So they go to Holland, seeking religious. Uh, uh, religious freedom there. And By the way, here's another interesting thing on these guys. If you go and you study the, the, the group coming out of England and going to Holland, you're, you're going to find some names like John Smith, who are among the earliest English Baptists. They're not the first Baptists. A lot of people get that mistake. But some of the first English Baptists are like a cousin to these groups uh, of the pilgrims. It's an interesting deal you can go study out. But in Holland these these men these women their families decided to seek a fresh start with religious freedom in the new world uh, by the way they may not have used the name pilgrim for themselves but they did recognize a kinship to this William Bradford wrote uh, in his book of Plymouth plantation you know chronicling that early history you know, and <laughs> a I've got this and it's got the old school spelling on it. So I'm going to do my best to read this. It says, So they left goodly and pleasant city, which had been their resting place near 12 years. I was talking about in Holland. But they knew they were pilgrims and looked not much on these things, but lift up their eyes to ye heavens, their dearest country and quieted their spirits. He's drawing on the imagery of the verses we read for our text in Hebrews chapter number 11. Historians say that really it's about the the 1790s when people started calling them the pilgrims, uh, this specific group. It's It's an interesting deal. I find it interesting how these men and women that were driven from their homes in England took refuge in Holland, sought new homes in the New World, that these would identify themselves and be identified by others as pilgrims. And going back to the language of Hebrews chapter number 11, I think they understood the truth of this text that we're reading, how Abraham was called to leave his home, to go to a new place, and how he uh, dwelt there temporarily in tents, looking for something, looking, trusting in God and the promises of something to come. The truth is, is that this world is not our home. The truth is that the children of God are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Abraham, such a great example, left his home in the earth of the Chaldees. He traveled to a land that God promised him. He never built a house. Nowadays, oh my goodness, you're going to settle, you got to build a house. And the early settlers, you know, that's what they did. They come in, build a little log cabin, something like that. He never built a house. He lived in a tent, something you could pull down and put back up. And by the way, I didn't double check this, but if, my, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the only plot of ground he actually really owned was his grave. I may be wrong on that, but I think that's right. I think that that's the only time he ever bought property was where he was buried. He had faith in a mighty God, though he did not see much of those promises come true in his life. Generations later, his descendants were as numerous as the stars and the sand of the sea, and they were a mighty people, and they did possess the land. They were strong. They were prosperous. But Abraham never really saw that with his own eyes. He looked through the eyes of faith to something greater. He saw what could not be seen with the mortal eye, and though he never saw it, he could see it. You know what I'm saying? Though he never saw it, he could see it. The unrealized was real to Abraham. I'm going to give you a few thoughts this morning on the subject of the idea of being a pilgrim. As I was thinking about this, I, I kept thinking of old, that old uh, spiritual. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world below. I'm not going to sing the whole thing to you but I I, I I had that going through my mind i thought what a truth that our forefathers understood it's preserved in song and other songs like this world's not my home i'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue all these different it's it's such an ingrained part of the uh, of the christian experience that we realize uh, yes we're here yes what we do down here is important but this this isn't everything there's something greater and what are we? We're just pilgrims passing through this land. We need to remember that's what we are. We're just passing through. Our home is beyond what we can see. A few things here I want to point out to you. And I was warned that some alarms would go off here in a few minutes if I went preaching too much longer, but uh try to keep it short here. Uh, i got a few minutes left. My dad was warning me. He, he said there are, everybody's going to set their alarm for about t- 11.35. and uh, <laughs> But I'm, I'm gonna to try to keep keep it very brief this morning. I honestly am. But the number first thing I want to see is that as pilgrims we answer a call. As pilgrims we answer a call. In verse number eight it says, "When he was called to go." Some folks have wanderlust. Oh, I like that word, wanderlust. Uh, what does that mean? It means you're not satisfied with the things. You're never you don't you're never comfortable and you're always seeking something. I tell you what, we've got generations of people in our nation that they're like that. They're still trying to find themselves. They're still trying to find the perfect job or the perfect soulmate or the perfect place to live. Uh, Bouncing just all over the place. Even from religion to religion. Trying to seek something. That's not being a pilgrim. That's just being unsettled. A pilgrim knows what they seek. We know what is ahead we know because God just like he called Abraham he's called us Thought of the words of Christ in John 14 in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you that's where we're called and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also there's a call that's gone out a call where he says, come unto me. And when we heed that call and come to him, there's just something about the things of this world. One song where I said they dim and lose their value as we look at him. We answer that call and we start moving for something. And we realize this place isn't our home. We move towards the heavens. The second thing I want us to see is that we sojourn. In verse number 9, it says, He sojourned in the land of promise. To sojourn is to reside temporarily. It means not putting down a whole lot of roots. I think I've told you all this before, but when I was in Bible college, um, especially my junior year, uh, my, my 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 dorm room, I had a, uh, two roommates, Mike, and Anthony, and uh, we we were a very eclectic bunch. We had a lot of fun in there, but uh, they made fun of us. They called us the hobo room because everybody else would get like a couch or they would put pictures up and decorate. We didn't do any of that. I think the only real piece of furniture we had was my computer desk and I think a bookshelf, and I think Mike had a little trunk. We, We didn't have anything in there. The walls. We didn't put anything up on the walls. And somebody asked me, "Well, why?" I said, "I'm not planning on staying here. I'm planning on leaving here when I graduate. And I, you know, if I was going to stay here for a while, sure, I'd put some pictures up. I, I, I'd make myself comfortable. But what's going to happen In a few years? I'm going to be gone, and I'm just going to be dumping that stuff at Goodwill. What? Why, who cares? Who cares if the walls blank? That was my philosophy anyway, and, and kind of rubbed off, I think, on Anthony and Mike. But uh, I tell you. There's a certain part of that, though, as we look around the things of this world. We, we, we get a little comfortable sometimes. We get a little comfortable. We need to check up on where our roots really are. Christ said in Matthew chapter number six, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also where are we putting down roots listen there's, there's a lot of things and I'm not opposed to having a nice place to live and, a, and, and having a house owning property I'm not talking about that but I'm going to tell you something there is a difference in having our heart and thinking I, I'm just I'm living for the now instead of living for eternity and you need to keep a mindset we're just passing through This world. The third thing I want to see is that we don't travel alone. Verse number nine. It says, "dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise." I really like this because sometimes you get the idea, like you know, as we're Christians, we're just wandering through this world all by ourselves, and oh my goodness, it's so horrible. We're not alone. We got brothers and sisters in Christ. Kind of like every family tree. Some of them are a little crazy. Some of them we don't necessarily want to claim sometimes. But we've got so many others we're traveling this road with. We're not alone. We're not alone. And I'm going to say more important than just having people to be with, we have a family. And this is one of the most important aspects of being a pilgrim, as illustrated right here, is the difference it made not just in Abraham. But in his children, it rubbed off on his family. Abraham was a pilgrim, but he could have signed that. You know what? what did he do you do? Taking the census. You know, I'm Abraham, and okay, what do you do for a living? He could have filled out pilgrim. Well, you know what? Isaac could have filled out. He could have said the same thing. You know what? Jacob could have? he he could have said the same thing. They're professional pilgrims, not bow pilgrim, but they're professional pilgrims. It rubbed off on his kids. What did they do? They did the same thing. They lived in tents. They, they just sojourned. They followed the example. I've seen a lot of families that look like pilgrims on Sunday, but they weren't the other six days of the week. And that tends to rub off on the kids. Also, you know, I'm, I'm very careful. I don't want to do You know, People are people. They do their own thing. In spite of your best efforts, things happen. I, I get that. It's an individual thing. As much as we wish and look back and boy, if I'd only done something different, you you can't do that. People are people. But I'm going to tell you, there is something about that godly, consistent Christian influence that rubs off on kids and on even extended family. Having that faithfulness there. We don't travel alone. The fourth thing I want us to see is we don't realize all the promises until heaven. We don't realize all the promises until heaven. Verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Well, wait a minute. Didn't it God say, Abraham, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you all these kids. and Your descendants are going to be mighty nations. And then it all came true. But Abraham never saw that. Isaac never saw that. Jacob I don't know. After a while, some of his kids, he probably wished he didn't see some things. I don't know. But they—none of those guys—they never really saw, but they believed. But they believed. You think about it. You look at the things we go through down here, and you ask yourself, why? Why do we suffer? Why? Why? Why is it so hard? Why? Why, why do we get sick? Why do we face the hardships? Why is it just life so difficult at times? Why do we face opposition and ridicule for doing what's right? I tell you, it's getting more and more difficult in our society to take a stand for what is right. But the reason why is because we're not home yet. We're not home yet. We're just passing through this world it's like going to a baseball game for the Rangers, but you go down to Houston or Baltimore or something, and you go to their ballpark, and you wear your Rangers jersey. You're probably going to get made fun of a little bit. You're probably going to get called some nice things the way people are nowadays. You think, well, I, it's because you're not home. If you wear your Rangers jersey to the Rangers stadium, everybody give you a high five and uh, because you're home. The reason why we face a lot of this is because we're not home yet. Just because the promises haven't been fulfilled doesn't mean they're not going to be fulfilled. God's promised peace, God's promised victory, we may not see that this side of heaven, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be there. It's coming. We will see it. The best is yet to come for the child of God. The best is yet to come. By the way, We often, in the human mind, think, well, death is the end. Death is defeat. Death is the doorway to victory for the Christian. We just pass over into something far, far greater. We don't get to realize all the promises on this side of heaven. The fifth thing I want us to see is that we desire something different. Down in verse number 16, it says, But now they desire a better country that is in heaven. One of the chief characteristics of a pilgrim is not where their feet are, it's where their heart is. It's not where their feet are, it's where their heart is. Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. To be a pilgrim is to not delight in the things of this world. You can't enjoy yourself some, and you can't just can't enjoy doing some traveling or you know going to a ball game every day. It doesn't mean that, but it's taking our pleasure, our identity, our comfort in the things around us. We don't delight in that. We delight in something greater. We delight in the heavenly. Sometimes people ask, "Hey, what do you think about this? You know, this musician. You heard their new song. They won this award. Or this movie is..." I'm like, "No, I don't care. And a lot of times, I don't. I don't live in that world. You know, it's just hard to have a conversation with people because I just don't live in that world. I just don't care on, on a lot of things. Sometimes people are shocked. They're like, "Why don't you have the same desires? I, I don't." A Christian, there's you should be a difference there. There's some things that are going to be a difference. Place I worked before, they came around and they said, well, "Where do y'all want to be in five years?" And you were filling out this thing, and where are you going to be in five years? I said, "I'm perfectly happy right where I'm at," and that was not the right answer. And they, 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 they were not happy with me. Well, why don't you want to be a management? I said, "I don't want that headache." And and I said, and there's some things that they have to do. I don't want to go wine and dine people. It's not my thing. And there's some things, places they go, I don't want to go. I said, I'm perfectly happy doing my job as it is. Oh, well, you know, I'm like, no, and it just blew people's minds because they don't think that way. People don't think that way. They just think, well, everything you can do, whoever you have to step on, whoever you have to get Get above. Whoever you have to replace. You do whatever it takes to get as far as you can in this life. And then you come along and say, you know what, I'm pretty content. God's been good to me. People don't understand that. It is so foreign. You might as well be talking Greek to somebody. They do not understand that at all. It makes a difference. And I'm going to tell you, I think that's the thing about a pilgrim. It's not so much where we're at. It's where our heart is. And like Christ said, where our treasure is, there will a heart be also. We have a heart not for the things around us. So you say, well, do we have a care? Yes, have a, we, we do care. We want to make sure families are taken care of, that we've got enough food on the table. We, I want to make sure that, you know, we can reach the loss and make an impact down here while we can. Yes, you have to have an eye on things around you. Somebody said folks can be too so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. Not talking about getting that extreme on this. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. there makes a difference when our heart is up there. It makes a difference when that's where all our concern is. It makes a difference when that's where our love is. It makes a difference when what we're looking to get ahead in is not the things down here, but the things up yonder. We're just a pilgrim passing through. And for the child of God, our heart should never be settled as we go through this earth. We ought to constantly have a longing for what is ahead. A few thoughts here to wrap this up. First off, I want to point out that God is pleased by faith. This is a, a chapter on faith. Sometimes people call it the Hall of Faith instead of the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Faith. It's example after example after example of God blessing through faith of these individuals from the Old Testament. But Hebrews 11 11.6 uh, says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You cannot please God without faith. That's a very strong statement. You cannot please God without faith. That's in salvation. That's in life. That's in every effort that you do. You have to have faith in Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is rewarder rewarder than to diligently seek Him. Now, think about that. I have to have faith to please God. When God looks down at this earth, what is he looking for? He's looking for faith. That's what pleases him. He wants to see faith. Now look at verse number 16. It says, But now they desire a better country and heavenly. And I love this next little phrase. It says, Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them to sin. God looks down at these people Abraham, Abraham had riches. He did. He was a rich guy. Go read your thing. He, he, he had money, but the money didn't have him. There's a difference there. Abraham was a mighty man. He he, he was. He, he wasn't poor as Job's turkey and all that kind of stuff. He, he he But I'm going to tell you, God looked down at him and he knew Abraham's heart wasn't on the things. It wasn't on... He wasn't just looking to get ahead or become a, a king of a great nation. Abraham was trusting in God. And God looked down and honored that. And there's just that powerful phrase. God looks down and sees Abraham. He says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to be identified with that guy. We talk about being ashamed of Christ. Think about how powerful this is. God's not ashamed of us. And what's the key? Faith. It's faith. It's trust in Him. And God is not ashamed to be called their God. I've always joked that, uh, you know, somebody asked me what, what what which part of the gauges I am, I usually say the ones without money. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of as a joke, and there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but you know, sometimes people ask, hey, are you kin to so-and-so? And you have to be like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, the, the old thing to say you either duck or pucker. You don't know if you're going to get kissed or punched. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes you got to be careful. Things like, hey, you know, so-and-so, oh, maybe. Uh, how do you feel about them? Uh, think about somebody coming to God and God says, uh, hey, hey, God, that's one of your children down there. Does he say, absolutely? Does he say, eh, <coughs> maybe? <laughs> what were you going to say about them? God's not ashamed to be our God. When we follow him, when we live, when we have a heart of faith, God's not ashamed to be our God. What a powerful, powerful statement that little phrase is. As musicians come, you talk about faith. It all begins with faith. That, that's all it is. The just shall live by faith. That is that. That is the Christian life. Its inception is through faith. How do we make it day by day? Through faith. How do we finish? By faith. That's all it is. It's not works. It's not goodness. And But then well, the most important thing is that first step. How do we begin? the same way we live, but the way we begin is by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Do you have your faith and trust in Him this morning? Do you? Have you heard that call? Have you heeded it? Have you stepped out? Placing your faith and trust in Him? Can you, like Abraham, look at the horizon of your life and see beyond it and know what lies ahead because God has told you if you'll step out and follow me if you'll trust in me there's a beautiful heavenly thing waiting for you you have that faith this morning that's the most important thing but once you have that don't throw your faith away you keep it strengthen it and keep walking in faith you begin to live by faith and you continue to live If you'll stand, we'll have a time and invitation. What number there, Ellen? 281 in the uh, Baptist hymnal there for the invitation song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you so much for this wonderful church, the opportunity to gather again. Uh, Lord, a lot of things going on. It's easy to get distracted, especially with uh, some of the the cares so many folks are, are carrying right now. Lord, as we take this moment Looking back at the example of, of, our, of our father Abraham and his great faith, the way it was honored, Lord, as we look back at the examples, we talked about some Christian forefathers, uh, the, our pilgrim fathers here in our nation. So many examples, so many, and we continue on in Hebrews 11, example after example, of uh, Lord, those who stepped out trusting in you in faith. Lord, let us follow their example. Let us live by faith. Let us live that pilgrim life, knowing and trusting that we're just passing through this world, that uh, heaven, our true home, is, is beyond the horizon. One day we will be there. One day all those promises will be realized. We thank you for the comfort. We thank you for those great promises. And Lord, we pray Most importantly, that uh, everyone knows that they can come to you through that faith. That everyone that hears this online, in person, knows that they have come through that doorway of faith. And Lord, that they know that they are a child of God. They know that they're a pilgrim. They know that heaven is their home. Lord, challenge us with some simple thoughts here, I pray, on the faith of Abraham. The faith that we need. The faith you desire, the faith that makes you unashamed of us. Drive these points home this morning, I pray this invitation time in the holy name. Amen.